If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, Hour number two, Jeff Cameron Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Happy Libations Friday, everybody. Hope you're well. Appreciate you joining us. I'm Jeff. That is Tom. Director Matthew is somewhere out there doing his thing. And uh, you're you, and you're listening to the Jeff Cameron Show, and that is always a good thing. And I appreciate you doing that on Twitter. It's at Jay Cameron Show. Did I say that already? I might have. I might have. Looking forward to this weekend. Should be fun. You know what You know what tonight is, Tom? Uh, for, for me, it's the old... Uh, Red and white game, which is uh, the Leon football program's uh, scrimmage there. A little little red-white action. So we get to see the boy in pads, find out how he does. Oh, that's pretty cool. Now, this is interesting. Is, is this the end of their camp? Or is this? Next, next week is the spring game. Okay, so they have a jamboree where they play somebody else still? Yeah, that, that's a thing? Playing, yeah, that's correct. That's cool. And JV gets like the first quarter and then varsity. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, you know, what's crazy is things have changed. I don't know when they happened, uh, when it happened this way. There's, if you're of a certain age, this must seem very strange to you. And I don't know what it was like when you were in high school, Tom. So maybe, maybe, I, I mean, I'm so far out of the loop. I, I, I don't know. But this is, why are we in spring football in mid-May? I don't I mean, remember it being this late either. I it's don't crazy. What are we doing? Like, I don't, this never happened. I don't even, like, the school is almost over. <laughs> yeah. We're, I mean, it's quite literally ending. School is ending in a couple of weeks. It's over. Why are we in spring football in mid May? Yeah. I, I don't remember it being this late now. I didn't play, but the jamboree, I mean, you know, my yeah. buddies were on the team. And so i liked when that was done because that meant that we would start playing pickup right. you know, and, and we'd start yeah. doing other things. Like we'd be able to go play roller hockey. That was our thing in the summers. So I was always counting down the days, but I feel like may was all about, you know, exams that last day of school feel mm. and nothing else. There wasn't much else going on. So uh, I don't know why, but it is bordering. It's a good thing that spring lasted a long time this year, weather-wise in Tallahassee. Oh, beautiful. Because if it's typical, 
they would have been in dangerous heat indices uh, for the last couple of weeks. He practiced yesterday and he was like, man, I'm not liking where this is headed. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I also don't under, I do understand this, but I don't like it. And I wish schools wouldn't do this. And it's happened all over Leon County. Leon's done it. Child's done it. I'm sure other schools have done it too. I haven't checked. I think Lincoln did it. Everybody plays on turf, man. Stop it. You're in Florida. Play on grass. It's ridiculous. All the kids, all the kids on these teams have crazy turf burns all over their arms and elbows. And I would be furious. You're in Florida. There's no reason to have artificial turf. Zero. They're going to tell you it's cost effective. Fine. Here's the problem. You're going to miss a bunch of practices because that turf is a thousand degrees. It's the surface of freaking mercury. You do not need to be on turf in Florida, grass, soil, nature, get it together. Everybody. I like two things. Number one, I like how aware you're going to become of high school athletics in this County now, because you're going to have players in the County. So now you know, people are going to say, I've been telling you this for years, Cameron, but you didn't care. Yeah. But now your son's there. It's like, yeah, exactly. exactly. Now my son's doing it. Yeah. So I am going to be aware of it. Number two, if you don't mind a serious question for a second, for years on uh, this program, on the previous place, the FM dial, you openly questioned whether or not if your boys came to you and they said that they want to play football, whether or not you were going to let them. What developed for you to say, okay, you know what? I, I, I'm going to be on board with this decision because I remember you agonized over it when they were in early to middle elementary school. Yeah. couple of things. Um, the acknowledgement, the out front acknowledgement of uh, the need for e equipment improvements and to better monitor potential concussion um, symptoms and behavior in players. So we now remain uh, more vigilant in a way we never did when I played or when successive generations of people came along to play. I remember covering Florida state in the, in 98 season, the 99 season, the 2000 season. And then I compare and contrast that to say now, and we look at the way that these players are monitored. We've got those, those, those covers that come over the helmets that are helping impact. Uh, they've revolutionized helmets, by the way, just in general, the way the helmets work. Um, and then also uh, coaches understanding and who's coaching them really matters. I uh, coach um, McGriff is a really, really good coach. And the same thing happened for me with uh, Clark at Monford. Uh, our mutual friend, Keith Cottrell is the head coach there. I know, first of all, Keith is a father and Keith's dad is a doctor mm -hmm. and they take uh, health and wellness very seriously. And also, the teaching of the game. I think a lot of the ways that you prevent and you can't completely prevent it, it's a violent game and that's part of it. But the way that you protect against and put yourself in a position uh, to avoid uh, the disastrous impacts that some tackles uh, produce is to understand how to properly tackle, how to properly position your body and your head, uh, and also obviously improve equipment and, and, and monetization. All of that has happened a lot in football. It is now a thing everywhere where coaches are not so Neanderthal-like 
they understand we got to back off these kids on certain days. We don't have to hit every day. Not everything has to be an Oklahoma drill or a question of toughness. Nothing. You don't have to every single day put kids in a position where they're violently colliding. We can do things to make the game safer and make the game better for all involved. And I think they've done that. Now, the other part of it is I did not push football on either of my kids just because I played football and love football did not mean in my mind that I wanted them to play football. But if they came to me and really wanted to play, I thought long and hard about all of the kids that I ever played with or knew growing up whose parents forbade them from ever playing football and the disastrous impact it had on their confidence and their psyche and the frustrations they felt and expressed to me and the sadness that they had that their parents would not allow them to participate in something that they really wanted to do. So I felt like with my kids, if they came to me and, you know, not and more than just in passing said, dad, I really want to play. I really it's important for me. I want to be part of this. Well, then I was going to sit down with them and talk all of this through with them and speak to them almost like adults and say, or not, not almost like adults and say, here are the potential consequences. You have to understand these things going in. That said, it's an awesome game. It teaches you so much more than just the football. And if you want to play, I will be there to support you but I need to meet these coaches. I need to talk to these coaches. I want to see how they go about running a program. And I got lucky because Keith Cottrell is a guy that played college football is a guy that understands the importance of teaching safety, teaching technique and making sure kids are putting themselves in the best possible position to play the game safely. So that became a no brainer when he got hired. And then coach McGriff and, and Bryce is now, you know, he's never played organized football until this year. And I always felt like if you could get through the early years of development, brain development, I remember Jimbo Fisher, I was just making fun of him last hour, but I do re recall this and I appreciated it. He, he, I remember him telling me, yeah, I really wasn't going to let my kids play uh, full contact football until high school. And he's like, because at that point, your body begins to develop enough that you kind of have an understanding of where you're going to be playing. You know, do you have the body type to be, to be in the trenches? I mean, when you play when you're young, everybody just kind of plays wherever. And maybe you're not equipped to handle some of that. As you get older and you understand what you are, are you fast? Are you slow and strong? What are you? You know, uh, it, it, it helps. And then the coaching staff, I, Leon is a very good coaching staff. And so I, I just became more comfortable uh, with the way that they're doing things. So that's what changed, I think, for me. They both really wanted to play, really, really wanted to play. And um, and Bryce has done all of the things, you know, he's working out. One of the things that they now know, Tom, and, and if you get, uh, by the way, Leon is efforting and they're raising money. And uh, I contributed to this. And I think a lot of, I know a lot of other parents did too. Man, they're doing the best stuff that the, the Florida State did uh, with oh, Jimbo. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're doing that now. They're also buying those things for the helmets and all that. Um, I think most programs are are really moving forward with that. I just think the overall attitude has shifted. Uh, it's no longer that uh, caveman mentality that, oh, you're just going to toughen up. Uh, you got a concussion, get back in there. Nobody does that anymore. Nobody does that anymore. I mean, if they do, they shouldn't be coaching. 
Well, and that's the science of it that we learned, which is concussions are going to happen as much as you try to avoid them, but you can't allow for that second one to happen before the first one is healed. Subconcussive um, uh, monitoring and behavior and seeing what the person is doing is so important yeah. because, like you said, if you play a violent sport, any violent sport, there's a good chance, or there is a chance, certainly, you could suffer from a concussion. In and of itself, that's not the end of the world. Uh, people play hockey. People race cars, hit walls. People box. People do lots of things. Soccer. We know there's a ton of concussions in soccer. By the way, women's soccer, there's a ton of concussions. Um, suffering a concussion as a singular uh, injury, as a, as, a, as a thing that happened on a Tuesday in May, is not the end of the world. It doesn't mean that long-term, cognitively, you're not going to be able to function uh, in a way that allows you to be productive in the workplace or whatever it is you're trying to do. What does lead to the kind of crippling effects that we're describing here is if you suffer that said concussion on a Tuesday in May and go back out there on a Wednesday in May and suffer another concussion. Yeah. And we know yeah. that when you suffer one, you're more apt to suffer another in quick succession if you go back out there before it's healed. Those concussions lead directly to oftentimes the CTE that has been well-documented. Whereas if you just pull a kid out, the second you know he suffered a concussion, it's not unlike a separated shoulder, uh, a contusion, you know, a thigh bruise, uh, an ankle injury. I know there are different types of injuries, obviously, and a brain injury is more serious than an ankle injury. But the point remains the same, which is that you wouldn't tell somebody who just suffered a high ankle sprain that they have to go out there tomorrow. You'd pull them, yeah. you'd diagnose it, and then you would talk about the steps needed to, to heal that before they got back out there. Fair enough. Okay, so when Leon starts to take on Friday nights and, and the rivals, are you going to be like sporting Leon gear now? Are you going to be, you know, super yeah. dad? Is that, what's, is that what's coming this fall? I'm a very back-in-the-cut back dad. I have been for both my boys in any sport that they've played. Director um, Matthew, isolate that audio because we'll see. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I'm going to tell you that when, um, you know, when when Bryce played basketball at Fairview, uh, I, you didn't hear a peep out of me in the stands uh, other than, like, clapping for the team if they played well or did something well. Uh, there were no moments of outbursts, you know, get back on defense, Bryce, like none of that. No, um, I'm just saying that you might talk some smack on a Monday after a big win. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm just saying I'm expecting it's high that. school athletics, man. I mean, I'll be happy for my kids if they play well and, and whatever. And I want them to win, yeah. but yeah. I, it's high school athletics. It is weird. Like, you know, on this show, you're right. Over the years, I've never talked about high school sports. Like somebody will nope. email me and say, Hey, never. No, no, <laughs> I I'll be, uh, this is funny. This doesn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. And I get why they would be like, what? So, uh, you know, I loved high school sports when I was in high school. Um, you know, all of them, loved them, loved them, and uh, was involved with a lot of them. The second I graduated high school, I couldn't care less about high school sports. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't be further removed from wanting to see a high school game of any kind. Like, yeah. it didn't matter if it were the 6A or 7A state championship and Lakewood, my alma mater, was in it. I didn't care. I mean, I wanted him to win. 
I rooted for them. I checked the result to see if they won. But going to see it, I had no desire. None. I'd rather I'd rather lay on the couch and watch a soap opera than go to a high school football game. It's <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like I don't know why I'm that way. Um, I immediately graduated in my head in terms of viewing habits to college and pro football. I already loved pro football and I still do. And I always loved college football. And that just became the singular, I mean, those two things were what I really hyper-focused on. And, you know, I'll be honest, unless my kids playing in the game, I have no desire to watch high school sports now. I just don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know that a lot of people are the opposite. A lot of people like love high school sports, kind of like college and have zero interest in pros. I can tell you that we had several GMs in succession at the ESPN station who said, you know, we really need to do more with high school. You think Jeff would talk about it on the show? And I would just say, no, no, he won't. <laughs> Why not? Feel free to ask him. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not having this discussion. Yeah. If you want to do high school, we've got to get somebody else. He's yeah. not going to do it. I'm telling you, he'll yeah. announce a scholarship winner. Yeah. He'll announce a player of the week. Yeah. But we are not talking about Leon Lincoln. We are not talking about Godby Rickards. It's just, it's just not going to happen, guys. No, it's not going to happen. And the thing is, you're right. I, I would celebrate uh, any kid that gets a scholarship or if there's a cool announcement or a, t a local team in, in Leon County, in Tallahassee, wins a state championship. I'd mention it in passing. I'm not going to break it down. I'm not going to talk about, you know, what it means. I'm just, Hey, listen, by the way, Lincoln won another title. Isn't that cool? And that's about the end of it. Yeah. The one thing I would do, and I did do for a very long time, and I still remain shocked by this. And I think it's just awesome. And you know, this, when, when you grow up in Tampa, St. Pete, that whole Tampa Bay area, I mean, there are more elite programs in that area than the, than you can shake a stick at. It's, it's a little bit like South Florida. Um, it's amazing how many teams, whether it's Tampa Jesuit or my old high school, Lakewood High School, you name it, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Plants, CC's, Armwood. Yeah. Oh, go oh, yeah, yeah, on and on and on. Yep. Um, there are so many programs that have achieved a lot of things. Well, listen, Hillsborough and Pinellas County are huge. It makes sense. There are millions, quite literally millions of people there. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of talent because there's a lot of people. Tallahassee is not a big place. It is not a big city. It's not a tiny city, but it's not a big city. It's not Bainbridge, but it's not Tampa. I mean, it's small, right? So how I, I was amazed the first time when I moved here to go to school, I remember I was like, these guys win state titles all over the place. At that yeah. time, Lincoln would win a state title. North Florida Christian, somebody, I'd be like, what is going on with all of the state titles in this little place? Like these guys aren't just winning here. They're beating teams from all over the state. And I think it is a great source of pride for the community. I do agree with that. I think it's amazing. I don't know how it's possible, but it's true. This well, place churns out titles. It's unreal. I don't know how it's possible either, but with all due respect, I know you won't be able to explain it because you don't care about high school sports. <laughs>
<laughs> I don't. And then this is the longest we've ever talked about it in 20, 25 years of doing radio. Well, I thought, you know, sorry, this is just, it's a, it's a Friday in May, which is now kind of like the, the, the June or July of, of yesteryear. But I always wondered, you know, I never asked you behind the scenes. You were very fearful, and I don't oh, mean yeah. that in a bad way, cautious about your boys playing the sport. And now they are. They both are, which mm-hmm. in the la- that's, a, that's a development in the last few months that both of them decided to be football players. I just wondered how the math changed or, or what, what developed. Yeah, I think all of the uh, safety uh, techniques and, uh, and equipment and uh, acknowledgement that it's a serious matter. Um, yeah. I think the the shifting of attitudes and the removal of a sort of pervasive undertone of if you get this injury, you're weak, go back out there. That has been removed from the game. Yeah. And that really helped, I think, transition me a little bit. Um, because if you remember now, this is an interesting subject and one that does apply to our love of football in general you know, we, we were on the air together to document the nightmare that was the NFL and their policies and denials and attempts to cover up and the lawsuits that followed and the information that trickled out uh, from behind the scenes about the kind of the depths to which teams would go to yeah. misconstrue or straight up lie about a player's condition uh, to the point where people that you thought would be above it like team doctors were paid off to make certain uh, diagnoses and evaluations of players uh, that were not the truth. I mean, that was startling. That was that. Sh- yeah. That should have shaken everybody to the core. Yeah, they had a panel in which they they knew it, it was proven that there was a panel that would provide the information. The commissioner had a seat. He usually would send some sort of liaison to be there, but the commissioner had a seat at the panel. So in legal terms, I'm not a lawyer, but malice is very important in studying law. You know, malicious intent is very important. And you could unequivocally prove that the NFL knew and decided not to help or decided not to intervene in a court of law, which derives intent and malicious intent which is why they had to pay a king's ransom for it, which is why they sucked. But they have gotten it together since then. We evolve as people in general, and and the NFL has done so. It's just that you're right. There are still some old-school minds in the game, and I'm sure in high school there's probably more than some of the upper levels. But the overall attitude about a concussion is completely different than it was when I was watching football in the 90s. It was just simply called you got your bell rung, you got dinged up, and you went back in. No big deal. Yeah, I think one thing will always be true of football, and this was something that I think that, you know, you have to – I told my kids, and I think as coaches you have to tell players and as parents you have to tell kids that want to play football. It is an extremely violent sport, and it is built around extreme aggression and strength and power and explosiveness and intimidation, and that will never be taken from the game, nor should it. It's an aspect of the game that I thoroughly enjoy. And in order to be good at football, you have got to be violent and aggressive. And sometimes when you use those terms to describe an activity or a sport, it scares people off. And if that's not for you, fine. 
But I think I'd rather have our cards on the table in this discussion about what it is or is not than to avoid it, ignore it, or disguise it. And so for me, explaining to my kids, if you're going to be any good, you've got to give as much as you're getting. Quite literally, in order to have an exchange, a violent exchange, the one of the ways you avoid injury is not to be the one receiving all the energy. You have to dissipate that by giving it back. You have got to come in and meet violence with violence. Could you get hurt? Absolutely. Might it lead to a broken bone? A what? Yes, it might. That's the sport you're playing. You have to be willing to take that risk. Understand that not only will you get hurt, it's just a matter of time. You're going to get There's no. There's not a chance you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt at some point. It's football. Nobody plays football seriously anyhow and goes through four or eight or 12 years of that sport and avoids injury. Nobody, nobody, everybody gets hurt. It's just a matter of to what extent and how it affects you and can you rehab it and how do you protect it moving forward and how do you put yourself in a position to avoid a lot of problems. And one of the number one ways to avoid problems is to work out, build strength in your neck, have the ability to meet violence with violence and explosive movements. So we're talking about cleans and deadlifts and those kinds of things and understanding angles and leverages. And if you can do those things, you put yourself in the best possible position to succeed. I think that's all you can do is arm them with the knowledge, the equipment, and the ability to avoid some of the catastrophic brain injuries that we're talking about. But understand that you're going into a violent sport. You know, John Gruden turned out to be whatever he turned out to be, however we want to look at him. But I, I you know, I often quoted him with this, and he was 100% right about it. At a time when the NFL was taking a beating publicly, and for the reasons we just got done describing, I thought it was admirable that Gruden, at the very least, was not hypocritical about this aspect. He said, look, can we do better? Yes. Must we do better? Yes. Do we have to change attitudes? Sure. But understand this, this sport's not for everybody. It's not for everybody to play. It's a violent game. Not everybody can get in a race car and race 200 miles per hour around a track. And anybody who does understands that if they hit the wall, they may be dead. Now, as long as they know that and they get in that car and they choose that with the knowledge that they have, that's all you can do. And I thought he was right about that, that you've got to tell players, here's what you're facing. But if you accept that risk, there are a whole hell of a lot of rewards on the other side. And as long as you know what you're getting into, and I, I believe that's true. I believe you have to do that. And I think, I think that we have done a better job over the years. I worried about football for a time there, Tom. I think we were all worried that our beloved sport was <laughs> on the cusp of ruin. Well, I mean, because of bigger, stronger, and faster. And, and I think that down the line, you know, in the next you know generation or so, I think we need to take a look at the size of the field. I think in general, there needs to be a look at the size of the playing surfaces because it's just amazing the exponential growth that you've seen across all sports and how these yeah. hybrid athletes. I mean, look, Jalen Key, if if he committed today to Florida State, there's We've a video, got a video in the chat right, right here now. for you. <laughs> Dude is six foot two playing safety. I mean, yeah. I remember when we had a discussion about hybrid offensive players, like mm -hmm. former basketball players like Antonio Gates and, and Tony Gonzalez, who tried like, he, you know, every offseason he was in the NBA Summer League. Like these kinds of freak athletes that are hybrids are now on offense. Who is going to be the answer on defense to be a hybrid player like that? 
Then the Cam Chancellors and Derwin James of the world emerged. And it just becomes routine after a while that you've got dudes that never profiled in size and in height and weight to play a position can do so now. Just like you can have a 245-pound linebacker who runs a sub 4-5, and it's just kind of routine. I wonder if that becomes a part of the discussion where maybe these surfaces need to expand because, I mean, you've got seven foot one to seven foot three guys. Now they can play point guard in the NBA. It's just incredible to see the advancements. But I thought football was in a basic crisis. It seems like we've avoided that. Yeah, and final thing on this, we got to go. But uh, I, I would just say that, uh, you know, toughness will always be a part of that game. And, uh, you know, I get it when guys resent players you know, kind of holding out or not playing or withholding their service over a bruised shoulder or something like, no, man, you got to be tough to play football. And you do have to play with bumps and bruises, just like hockey players play with broken limbs. It's unbelievable. You got to have that. That is part of it. And I do, I'm still old school enough that when guys kind of stay down on the field for long periods of time, uh, I roll my eyes at that, man. Get up and get off the field. You know, if you can, if you shattered your femur, I understand. But if it's something other than that, get off the field and go get get it attended to. It is still a tough man's game. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. What's up, guys? Our next partner that you're going to hear from is Athletic Greens. You've heard me talk about Athletic Greens in the past. Happy to talk about them again. I take Athletic Greens every day. And I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se. And I wanted something that tasted good, too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, It had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit, and uh, it is a a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, That's Athletic Greens. And uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning. I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon neutral business, by the way, if that's important to you. It is to a lot of people, and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it, and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. <laughs> happening everybody it's happening you don't get me out of bed unless it's something really important jeff cameron though always up all hours of the day to keep you entertained on all things florida state chef cameron show one to three o'clock weekdays 93.3 fm as well as right here on youtube warchant tv live jeff cameron we are here to talk about destin hill he is officially a florida state seminal uh the university went ahead and 
posted this story to their website. So it's a really, really real thing happening, uh, Jeff. In terms of the amount of times you've, you've been covering Florida State for, I don't want to say the number out loud, but I'm going to say the number out loud for over 20 years. Yeah. Where does this rank in terms of just the the one of the biggest roller coasters, I guess, in all of the Florida State athletics history? Well, this reminds me of back in the day, Aslan. Always good to see you, brother. It reminds me back in the day of, like, guys, when we started seeing the commitment followed by the decommitment followed by the recommitment, and I would talk about Reedy Rees and things like that, and we'd have fun with it because it was always the topsy-turvy nature of recruiting, and I kind of made fun of it and rolled my eyes and all of that. This has been absurd. Like, there there was, at times, Aslan thoughts that this wasn't even a real person. Like, we're, are we sure this guy actually exists? And it is crazy. Now, one thing I will say, and congratulations to Destin Hill getting into a great school like Florida State and having this opportunity. And congratulations to the coaches who stuck with him because I will tell you, Aslan, what we don't see typically in a situation like this is a recruit, any recruit, right, who commits to a school and then for whatever reason, it doesn't work out. It could be grades. It could be a problem off the field, discipline-wise, any number of things that come up in a recruitment of a player. If too much time passes – like we start getting into six months or a year or a year and a half. Usually at some point coaches kind of cut bait and the kid realizes it ain't going to work out. And maybe they look elsewhere and the school moves on. It tells you they must really believe that he is a difference maker and they want him here for the obvious reason in that he's a very good player, potentially an explosive player. We know it's hard to find that kind of speed Aslan. So clearly they thought something about this kid was different than they have other recruits in most situations in the past. So uh, I think that portends very well uh, for the, the fact that they stuck with him and stuck with him and stuck with him. And now the fruits of their labor, right? It's paying off. Jeffrey Welch saying what? No official war chant video of his arrival. Keep cool. Keep cool, Jeff. Uh, Jeffrey Welch, that is, of course. He'll be arriving later this afternoon. We're stationed out front of the uh, the football facility right now, so we'll hopefully have video of that as soon as he does arrive in Tallahassee. Jeff, you know, for me, I moved on. So many of the uh, fans didn't move on. I, I I guess part of that was because of the fact that, listen, we were, I, I'm not going to say the Royal we, I had moved on, but, you know, Michael, Corey had talked to people within the program and last year saying that they intended for him to show up eventually. I mean, we thought that was going to be last summer. After like that third time, to your point, when like these things don't work out, you feel like they cut bait. Yeah, it feels like the fan base never did at any point. Uh, is there anything you think about this recruitment? Is it just those little crumbs out there that kept people hanging on the edge of their seat for two years for this kid to finally arrive? It's the speed, man. It has to be the speed, right? The highlights are the speed, the speed, the speed. And then you know, look, listen. Also, at the time that we that Florida State was recruiting this kid, as one to to your question and to your point, remember that receiver room was awful. That was not a good room. It was considered by many at that time to be the worst in the ACC. Like a lot of other aspects of this team, the transformation has been exceptional. It's hard to imagine how much better this receiving core is now than it was when they were originally recruiting Destin Hill. And it may still get better. Now, again, it's speculation, but guys, if they get Keon Coleman, and all of a sudden, we're looking at a receiver room where you're five or six deep with legitimate talent and speed and a difference in size and every type of receiver. I mean, all of a sudden, it's not unlike the transformation of the offensive line, Aslan. I think we're talking about a team that goes from having a losing season to a winning season to can we win the national championship? I mean, these kinds of things 
are are being talked about in an offseason. It, it's a whirlwind, and this adds to it. He's the unicorn. Like most people like you, I think all of us thought it's not going to happen. I How in the world is this going to work out? Well, like a lot of things in the last year, it's worked out for Florida State, and that's a credit to this staff and the way they recruit and the persistence with which they stay committed and dogged in their efforts to get kids in here that can make a difference, it's, inf- it's impressive, very impressive. We won't know exactly just how in shape uh, Destin Hill is going to be. Again, Florida State officially announcing on their website, Seminoles.com, that he is a part of the football team. Um, but that speed factor, I mean, being out of the game for two years, if he can get his legs underneath him, maybe not week one against LSU, but maybe by the time you're in Death Valley or later on the year, this is something that they haven't had in terms of they've got so many different weapons, whether it's yeah. out backfield, tight end, the, the the length of a guy like Johnny Wilson, but somebody that can like legitimately take the top off the defense, Jeff. I mean, that, that's something that gets you giddy when you think about, it, right? It is. It's you know, I thought, for example, that they did need to bring in another receiver, and I thought collectively for Florida State, it's a good receiving core. It's not an elite, uh, upper echelon, best in the. You know, when we think of great segment groups at wide receiver, you think of Ohio State. Right, you think of how many great receivers they've had and produced and continue to do that. You go back a few years ago, it was LSU. They were just loaded with receivers, right? We know Alabama's done the same thing. Florida State hadn't ascended to that place yet. They had some difference makers and some matchup problems. You know, Johnny Wilson is a matchup problem, but we don't look at him as changing the scoreboard, catching a you know a, a, a hitch and making a guy miss and running 80 yards. That's not who he is. Now, you needed another guy like that. We kept waiting for that other guy. I don't know what Destin Hill, Destin Hill can be in year one, uh, especially since he, you know, he's getting here just now in the fall. We'll see. I, I don't know what he'll be, but you're right. He's an explosive receiver. And if they get Keon Coleman, if, 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 all of a sudden you have transformed the ability of this receiver room to change the game, to impact the game in a way that is, I made you miss Rashad Green. Remember, I mean, that guy makes you miss Peace. He's gone. Florida State may be adding not one but two guys like that to go along with that depth and diversity of offense, Aslan. We're talking about an all-American quarterback who can make you miss in a phone booth, a bruiser at running back, and four guys behind him that are uniquely gifted as well. You're talking about a Jaheim Bell who's an NFL tight end and a Kyle Morlock, a biscuit at tight end. Man, good luck stopping this offense with a deep offensive line, size, Florida State's offense is going to be very good next year, period. Uh, one other thing here on Destin Hill before we take a just a last look at what this offense can be uh, here, Jeff. You know, so many people want answers to why it's, it's taken so long. I think probably part of this uh, statement here from Coach Norvell saying that uh, Destin dealt with a tremendous amount, showed a tremendous amount of maturity and persistence as he dealt with a private family matter that delayed his enrollment. I, I think that's all we're going to probably get from the yeah. coach. I'm, I'm sure we'll probably be able to speak to Destin Hill at some point because this university has been so accommodating and letting their uh, enroll, new enrollees speak to the media. I don't know who's going to go there. I like asking awkward, awkward questions. I don't know if I'm going to even want to venture there, but I think that probably says about as much as we where we're going to really find out publicly, at least on uh, what took so long for Destin to get here. Yeah, and if it's a deep family matter or something like that, I don't think anybody really wants to continue to probe that. I mean, we would all want our privacy in that situation. So I I don't know that situation either. And I'm not not inclined to really kind of burrow in there. I just, uh, it is a testament. And that's a great quote, by the way, from Mike Norvell. Uh, There aren't a lot of people that would miss a couple of years of 
playing football, right? And yeah. and and still remain that kind of uh, focused and vigilant. So good for the staff, good for the kid. You root for all kids. You want kids to make it. You want kids to have opportunities. You want kids to succeed. Destin Hill, Destin Hill now has a chance. Uh, again, I don't know that Destin Hill comes in here and is all that impactful in year one. It'd be hard to project that on almost anybody, even an extremely gifted player. Um, but down the road, you certainly expect a lot from him because he's explosive. And so, you know, Florida State does need some help in special teams as well. So that could be an area where maybe he does help in year one. I don't know if this qualifies as happy ending, though, but I think if anything, let's just at least take it for what it is right now. I mean, because we don't know what's going to happen this year, but the fact that this kid finally has shown up, uh, you know, I don't want to say he was the butt of jokes, but it became urban legend. It was, it was like a myth on all these shows that we would do, but he's a real dude. Uh, he's now part of your favorite football team, everybody. Jeff, you're going to be doing a show here, I, I assume, later today, but uh, you have so much excitement here. And, and we know that Jalen Key, the, uh, the very coveted safety from UAB, uh, is down between Florida State, Alabama, maybe Ole Miss on the periphery there. Um, we know that Keon Coleman's still out there, so stay connected to WarChant.com for the latest on Jalen Key. We think that maybe today might be announcement day for him, if not perhaps stretches into the weekend. But Keon Coleman's still out there. The receiver from UTSA is out there. When you, when you think about this right now, they've they've got some more runway to finish up what they want to have 2023 look like. Do you want the safety? Do you still think uh, one of these receivers is out there? And if, if you get the kid from San Antonio, if you get the kid from East Lansing in Michigan State, how does that affect you and, and your enthusiasm for this program moving forward? Because you're, you're giddy right now, Jeff. I don't want to stand in your way, man. Go it's ahead. over the moon right now. I mean, it's hard not to just accept, even if you are somebody that's pessimistic or jaded, it's hard not to just accept the fact that Florida State has a diversity of talent on offense that will be the envy of most. I think it's why they're the odds-on favorite to win the ACC. It starts with the quarterback, but they continue to add weapons. They've got a legitimate offensive line. They're deep at running back. Back. They continue to add weapons at wide receiver. I'm telling you now, you bring in a Keon Coleman, we don't know that they will, but if they are able to win that recruiting battle, your, your offensive firepower is the best in the ACC, and it's not close, and it's one of the best in the country. Uh, it would be hard to argue against what this Florida State offense will be. I'll say it again, Aslan, championship aspirations for Florida State are going to center around how good will this defense be. So to answer your question, getting the safety or getting a safety, I think is important. You just don't have quality experience depth right now. You may like your two starters. I mean, you may be fine with uh, Akeem Dent and, and, and Jaheim, uh, Shaheem Brown. You may feel good about that, but you know there's not much behind them. So you need another player, whether it's a starter or not. So, you know, Florida State's in a nice position where they have the starters that they like at almost every position, and now they're just adding to the quality of depth at those positions as well. So this is um, – this is where you wanted to be, where we've yearned to be, where we've been excited to be for a long time. And now Florida State fans find themselves in a position where they can dare to dream about winning this conference and being a college football playoff team. And, and if you're a college football playoff team, Aslan, you're, a, you're in contention for the national title. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And how about I mean, all of definition? this? From the dentist on a Friday morning. Oh, Wow. Z Chan, you're the man. You're the man, Z Chan. We appreciate you. Uh, Kayvon say he'll be on the beach during the JCS. Let's freaking go. So, uh, yeah, Good stay time. connected to warchant.com. Even before Jeff gets on air with Tom Lang, uh, we hope to have possibly some footage of Destin Hill finally arriving here at Florida State. We do expect him to arrive in Tallahassee 
over at the Moore Center uh, this afternoon. So we are stationed out there as well. Transfer portal is still open in terms of guys being able to commit to where they want to go. Jalen Keys, possibly a guy that might commit today. And then, as Jeff said, Keon Coleman still out there for Florida State as well. Stay connected to WarChant.com. Jeff, thanks for hopping on and doing this, man. We appreciate the heck out of you. Yeah, it was fun. I always appreciate it, brother. Great to see you again. The Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. So, you know, again, you guys just listened to me and Aslan talking about Destin Hill and what that was and what that means. That was from earlier today, uh, around 10 o'clock this morning, 1020 this morning. Um, and we, we used it here because it, we hadn't addressed it. Uh, you know, again, things keep coming up roses right now for Florida State. And you cannot deny this. And that's part of the crooks of what I just said, Tom, with Aslan. Like, every time Florida State's needed something to go well for them or a player to say yes or something to go right off the field, um, it's happened, man. I mean – I don't know that it's going to continue to happen. Obviously, the other shoe will drop. We'll be in situations where it won't work out. But if you think about this, the farmer situation, I mean, that, that, that was this close to being a done deal. He was gone. Yep. And then he came back, and now he's in the fold, and everybody's pumped, and the depth of talent on the defensive line is that much better. And uh, that's a game changer. This kid you've been recruiting for two years, it got to a point where it was a running joke that he was a unicorn. You stuck with him. He's got explosive speed, something the receiving room is lacking. I don't know what he'll provide in year one, but maybe special teams in year one right off the bat because he's a special teams player as well. But you end up getting this kid, and it worked out, and he got into school, and now he's here, and kudos to him. And, again, cross your fingers. Uh, At the time you guys are listening to this right now, it could have been that we got good news about Key. I don't know. I'll remind everybody that if that's the case, again, attached to this video, you'll see you can get – uh our reaction to that so if it's um, good news yeah yeah if it's good news you got it uh and then i continue to talk about what i hope is going to be good news well we got to know something by like next week one would think uh who knows maybe it's over the weekend i don't know we'll be here to talk about it but what if you get keon coleman again that's not a done deal not saying that that's that's over but i am saying that i think we're very much in it and i'm liking our chances every hour that goes by I will tell you very quickly and a joke uh, for the YouTube audience because we're going to send you bye-bye as we do probables. But uh, this was my reaction. Kids from the 90s and and older will know this. When I saw Destin Hill, he does exist. (laughs) It's real. He does exist. Everybody remembers that commercial. They've been playing it for nearly 30 years now, but uh, that's how I felt. Our thanks to our friends at Power Mill as we get set for Probables, Power Mill Performance, equipping and motivating athletes focused on baseball and softball. They equip them with very specific tools, I guess is the best way to say it, to reach their potential. And that's what any of us want to do, right? Reach our potential. You got little ones playing baseball or softball. Take them over there to Power Mill Sports. They'll teach them some of the fundamentals and beyond. You're going to want to do that. And if we are going to do it, Probables queued up, ready to go. Let's start naming who's pitching where. All right. It's time for, how you say, with the pitching, uh, probables? <laughs> Mariners, Tigers, Marco Gonzalez, Matthew Boyd, Reds, Marlins, Graham Ashcroft, Yuri Perez. We got the Mets and the Nets, and that's TBD for the Mets. 
Mackenzie Gore for the Nats. Pirates, Orioles, bring it on. Johan Aviedo for the Pirates. Kyle Bradish for the Orioles. Rays, Yankees. Rays continue to torture the Yankees. Trevor Kelly, Garrett Cole, Braves, Blue Jays, Spencer Strider, Chris Bassett, Angels, Guardians, Tyler Anderson, Logan Allen. That would be Logan Allen, not Logan. Interesting name if your name was Logan. Uh, Cards, Red Sox, Adam Wainwright still pitching in the majors despite being 64 years old. James Paxton pitching for the Red Sox, still pitching in the majors despite being 64 years old. Cubs, Twins, Drew Smiley, Sonny Gray, Strohs, White Sox, J.P. France, cool name. Michael Kopech going for the White Sox. Royals, Brewers, Josh Taylor, Corbin Burns, Phillies, Rockies, Tawan Walker, Austin Gomber, Giants, D-backs, John Brivia, Ryan Nelson, Rangers, A's, Martin Perez, Ken, what is it, Waldachuk? Is that right, Waldachuk? Padres, Dodgers, Blake Snell, Dustin May. That is a look at those that shall reside on the bump, and there are a lot of them residing on the bump tonight, man. It's weekend series. Full slate, baby. Full slate. Let's go. Let's go is right. Have fun at the beach, man. Anything you want to add to this before we say peace? We've got five seconds. That's what I add. All right. Have fun. Peace. Peace.